This is the Power of Genetics podcast, the podcast designed to help visionary practitioners build a more successful practice, transform more lives, and lead their patients into the future of personalized health. In each episode, I'll interview successful practitioners and leading thought leaders who will share their insights and expertise to help you prepare your practice for what lies ahead. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe, and now let's get into today's episode. A very good morning to Dr. Yunga, who has joined me today. He is the founder of the Clean Program and the author of many, many books that we're going to hear about. So a big welcome to you, Dr. Yunga. Thank you so much for having me. So I was introduced to you a couple of months ago, and I came across your beautiful Clean Program. We have a colleague in common who was telling me how wonderful the work was that you were doing in really trying to engage with people to change their life, change their behaviors, and really kind of break some of those habits that have been kind of so difficult for us. But when we went and and had a look at your profile and had a look at your story, it really was incredibly insightful and empowering to see the journey that you have taken. So I was wondering if you could just share with us what that journey is, because it sounds to me and that you did come through the kind of allopathic medicine beginning. So maybe we can go back right to the beginning and tell us how you even landed up in medicine. Well, ever since I was a little boy and the adults asked us, what do you want to be? And my friends went for policeman, astronaut, or I would always say a doctor. So I don't know if it's a past life thing or what, but I always knew. I'd say I was born knowing that I was going to be a doctor. And there were temptations along the way that could have derived me from that. And actually, some of them really... I mean, there were two really, but one of them was when I tell my friends about it, they say, oh, you should have done that, right? Which would have made me a very wealthy person. But I knew I had to do this and I had no question. It's not about what am I going to do, it's how am I going to do it? So when I finished medical school in South America, walking down the street, I encountered a friend of mine who was one of my mentors with an American doctor. And we sat down for a drink and we had a chat and he offered me to go work in New York, to do my internship and my residency in New York. So I accepted immediately and moved there. And the change of lifestyle and pace, because in Uruguay, I was living with my parents and there were no supermarkets. Everything was cooked by my mom and bought from around the corner at the farmer's market. And we knew even the farmers who grew the food. Yeah. So life was very simple and real in a way. And I'll, I'll explain what that means in a minute. But when I moved to New York, I was running like a chicken with no head, on call, you know, every every other day for 48 hours, working with a lot of responsibilities. And after six years of that, I was very sick. I had irritable bowel syndrome, I had depression, bad depression, and I had severe allergies. And I visited a gastroenterologist, an allergist, and a psychiatrist. I ended up with three diagnoses, seven prescription medications. And I was just not ready to do that. So I wanted to know why. And one of the things that I remember going through in my mind was, well, there is no family history of depression and irritable bowel syndrome. I mean, this, these are things that I never heard of, you know, in all my ancestors or my siblings or anybody. So that was weird. And the other thing was, 
I realized that my lifestyle was very different in America from what I was living in Uruguay. Now, I didn't know it at that time. Later on, it was like, of course, it was the major difference was in the way I eat and everything that has to do around food. First of all, in Uruguay, I would eat around the table as a family. In New York, I would run around eating from tray tables and, and sandwiches. And, you know, when I had a minute, I'd sit down in the, in the hospital cafeteria and eat some food that looked like what my mother cooked, but it certainly wasn't. And then, you know, on the weekends or my free time, I'd go to the supermarket and I was like, oh my God, wow. These people really know how to do it, you know? And I get a box and I put it in the microwave for three minutes and I had a meal that really looked like what my mother cooked, but it certainly wasn't. So at the time, I just had a very strong gut feeling, intuition, that that medications were not the way for me. Plus, being a doctor already by that time, I knew that medications don't really correct anything. They just mask symptoms. So I started looking for a different solution. And that took me on a 15-year journey into a monastery in India, looking to calm my mind, being exposed to Ayurvedic medicine and other medicines, and then back to the United States, back to hospitals, then quitting hospitals, working in a detox center. And I say detox, not drug and alcohol, detox in the functional medicine way, you know? That's how things happened for me. And not only I was able to, through what I found, not only I was able to avoid the seven prescription medications, but I was able to inspire hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands of people around the world. So let's talk a little, I mean, that is an amazing story. And I love the way, you know, you went on your journey to the East around, you know, kind of gathering information. But let's talk about, so you come back to New York, you go and work in different places. You've discovered that obviously a lot of it is around nutrition. It's the food we're buying, the food we're cooking, how, the kind of conviviality of food and how we sit around and engage with food. And I don't want to miss out the part where we jump to influencing like tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. So was it a conscious decision around that? So I came back from India and I looked for a job in the regular system. And I went back to seeing one patient every seven minutes and like regular medicine and prescribing medications to everybody. So I was back to doing what I didn't like to do. And then I started having the symptoms again. And then at that time was when I encountered or a friend of mine came to visit me, somebody that I had seen 10 days before in his usual bloated and sickly looking state. And this guy in front of me now was radiating wellness and, and exuding health and he was look calm and the yellow around his eyes were gone and his eye bags were gone. I was, and he had lost 10 kilos. I was, whoa, what did you do? And he said, I went to a detox center. And I said, oh my God, I didn't know you were into drugs. He said, no, <laughs> it's not that kind of detox. So I said, well, what kind of detox other than that exists? And he said, well, come. He took me there which was in Palm Springs, literally minutes away from where I live. And I met the owner who's from the same part of the world as me. So we immediately clicked, you know, and I met the other participants in the program and everybody was shining and, and everybody was telling me stories about how they recovered from this and from that. And I reversed their depression and their diabetes. And, and I was very, very curious 
And I said to her, listen, I'm interested. She said, well, you do my program. Your symptoms are all going to go away. So I did the program. And within 10 days, my allergies, my depression, my irritable bowel syndrome, completely gone. Plus, I'd lost 10 kilos myself. And I was like on top of the world. And everybody was asking me, what the hell did you do? So I started telling everybody. And then people couldn't go there or didn't want to go there or it was too expensive or whatever. So I started guiding them myself into these things. And I started learning. And then I started learning that what you can do in a center like this one, because you are away from your responsibilities, is one thing. But what you can do in the city is a different thing. So then it took me years to figure out how do I translate that experience that people were having in this place where it was completely transformative, but to life in the city, because not everybody can go to our retreat. That's right. Yeah. That's when I came to what is now known as the clean program. It's a detox program that you can do at home and it's incredibly, incredibly effective. It's what I would have liked to find when I was in, you know, in my medical training and, and sick like a dog but ended up with seven prescription medications instead. I, you know, I was wondering why they don't teach this in medical school. So I wrote a book about it. I speak about it everywhere I can. And then I created a company to support this program because a lot of people can't go to the supermarket and they don't have time to prepare the food. So you know, with shakes and certain supplements, I guide them through with this kit to a 21-day program that is very organized, very simple to follow and incredibly effective. Yeah, I had a look at it and it looks amazing. It's beautifully delivered, you know, amazing communication, like messaging is beautiful. So was this something intentional that you were like, I'm going to go out and create an online version where I can bring it into everyone's homes in New York that they don't have to go to the center and I'm going to get away from clinical seeing patients every seven minutes and I'm going to write books and kind of reach. I mean, was it very intentional and curated that this was going to be your career? Or was it just an organic evolution? There was no intention whatsoever. I mean, there was always a, an inner drive, which is very similar at one point with intention, but there was no, never a spoken or thought out or written intention. It's where life took me. And everything appears, you know, if you look at it and I tell you the stories, everything is like very fortuitous. You know, like for example, I met a patient of mine who I helped his brother-in-law tremendously and then I helped him tremendously and one day he called me I was in New York working with our friend in common who's one of my teachers Dr. Frank Lipman a South African like you that's right yeah I was at his office finishing my day and I get a call from this person and he says I am a few blocks away from Frank's office can you be here in 15 minutes I said yeah I'll try so I made it there in 20 minutes and, you know, I knock on the door and he opens the door and behind him, I see a table full of people and he hugs me and whispers in my ear, you're going to pitch your book. <laughs> wow. So I'm like, I'm confused. But by this time, he turned around and went back to the table and he's calling me. And when he introduces me, it was everybody from HarperCollins, the wow. CEO, some of the chief editors, the marketing people. They were sitting with him because he's best friends with Donna Karan and he was running her charity work called Urban Zen. And they were interested in doing some books with Donna. And Donna didn't really want to at that time. So he said to him, just distract him with something else. 
And so he thought that I should write a book about whatever I did with him and with his brother-in-law. And so he called me in and he just threw me to the lions. He said, this is such and such from HarperCollins, such and such from HarperCollins. This is my doctor. Why don't you tell him about the book that you're writing? And, you know, I remember uh, all the advice from my father that when, because in Uruguay, medical school exams are oral. Okay. So there's a panel of three people asking you questions. And my father, who didn't need to know how to read or write until he was 40, he was a Holocaust survivor. I mean, he had a very amazing story. My father used to tell me, you know, Ale, if they ask you something that you don't really know, start answering about something that you know. The chances are they're going to forget the question and they're going to go into, you know? So I love that. <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> I didn't know. I wasn't writing a book, but when they asked me, oh, can you tell us about the book that you're writing? I remember my father and I started talking about things that I know, like, for example, my story of how I became from a regular traditional cardiologist, became a, a like a hippie doctor, you know, not only doing giving my patients some medications when needed, but mostly detoxing them, repairing their gut. Things that when I told my colleagues, like the serious colleagues, they'd look at me and they'd roll their eyes. Poor guy, you know? He had so much potential. What <laughs> happened to him? And now he's laughing, right? Well, listen, now we're all laughing together because my friends, they're very, very successful doctors and they're really, really good doctors. Yeah. Because they have a big heart. And so, you know, I have nothing to tell them, oh, I told you so, right? But... You know, I got their approval and their acceptance and the admiration of some of them. Not all of them, but some of them. <laughs> so tell me, what is the advice that you would give? So say, you know, we have a whole lot of practitioners, providers listening to this podcast and they're hearing your story and they're in the system. They're in the healthcare system and they're listening to you and think like, wow, you know, that's amazing. Like, what is the advice, you know, channeling your very wise father now? I love the advice that he gave. I think I'm going to keep that for myself as well. It's like, what is the advice that you would want to share with someone who's, no matter whether it's, you know, MD or DO or MD, it doesn't matter. What is the advice that you really want to give them when they're in the system and they're starting out in their career? You know, it's very difficult to give advice because until you live a day in that person's shoes, you don't really know what their experience is. So your advice may seem impossible, may seem stupid, may seem pretentious, you know. So I don't really like to give advice in, in that sense, right? Unless I'm asked for professionally, right? But I can tell you this. I didn't have a choice. It's not like I sat one day and I said, oh my God, this you know life in the hospital, I don't want to do anymore. I want to transform myself into this other kind of doctor. It just happened to me. I was both working at the hospital and at the detox center in after hours, kind of like hidden in the closet, you know, but sharing everything that I was finding about detox and how it was a real thing and not just a hippie thing. And, and not just juice, <laughs> not just juice. Yeah. And then one day I had a strong disagreement with the person that was going to end up being my partner in, in a few months. I mean, I, you know, I joined this practice, very large practice. And, you know, with the promise of becoming, or with the contract of becoming a partner in three years. And this was almost three years into it. And I had a strong disagreement that showed me, first of all, that this is not a person I want to be associated with. And second, it made me really think because 
the conveyor belt business-like approach to medicine is not in my heart. It's necessary and it's helpful, but it's not for me. So at that time, you know, I'm impulsive. I'm a hot-blooded Latino. I took my beeper off my belt. I put it on his desk and I said, Some, I, I shouldn't be repeating it in your office, but, you know, you can imagine. And I said, I quit. And I just left. And I didn't know what, how I was going to pay my bills, you know? So um, I left. And you know what? God provided. Yeah, well, your heart was in the right place. So, you know, you were going to find your way. That's an amazing story. And I think, you know, you're right. You don't need to give advice. I think your story is enough. Just, you know, follow your heart, be authentic, do the things that make sense to you. So I really do love the story. And so so now you have clean, you have these wonderful programs. I love the way you say you're the hippie doctor. I'm looking at you. Um, no one can see what I'm seeing, unfortunately, but you look the picture of health. As you said, I think earlier, you're shining with health. So clearly it's been the, the best thing that you could give. But have you in your time, let's bring it back a little bit to my world, which is obviously genetics, using genetics to try to find out who we are in the world and how we respond to detox. I mean, detox and genetics is one of my favorite topics. What is your experience of genetics? Have you ever kind of really delved into it or experienced it or where do you think it's going to go in the future? Well, it's tied up to my story, you know, and that's why I mentioned when I was sick with depression and irritable bowel syndrome, I was wondering, because in, in, in medical school, they used to teach us that, you know, family history is an important mm -hmm. thing. So I didn't find in my mind family history. Maybe if you would have done some genetic studies, something would have appeared because I know that there are markers now for all kinds of things, including depression. But later on, what I realized now is that genetic studies can help you even beyond whether your father or your mother had depression or not. Because genetic studies can, for example, tell you about an enzyme that you're not making or a certain lack of way of metabolizing a certain medication or the predisposition to histamine intolerance. And, so, so, and all those things are tied to depression and everything else. So in my mind, in my experience, genetics, which, you know, at the beginning was just thinking about your family's history, has become a more accurate. And now it's jumping, in my experience, I know it's done this for a while, but in my experience, it's jumping into prediction and treatment and planning. So I find it very helpful. Recently, I had a patient that had substance abuse problems and through genetics and really looking at the literature we found that there is a few markers that show predisposition to psychosis after smoking marijuana and presenting that to this patient who really likes science was enough to make him stop certain things cold turkey amazing yeah there's a reason this podcast is called Power of Genetics. It's that insight. And every person's going to find a different gem, a different insight that's going to help them understand who they are. And that's a perfect example where that gene where you, you know, a lot of people can smoke marijuana and have absolutely kind of no adverse reaction. And in another, it might cause a psychosis. So it's exactly those little insights, those little gems. You know, it's not about knowing everything. It's not an answer in itself, but it's the ability to find that little gem, unlocking that little bit of knowledge, whether it's histamine and headaches, whether it's histamine and gut. 
And then you can fine tune even for people that need medications. Like, for example, you can determine, you know, before Coumadin and Digoxin and many medications were given as a trial to see how you responded to them. And there was a very low chance that you had a problem with one of them, right? But now, through genetics, you can say, oh, this person needs a really small dose. And this one needs a, a higher dose. Why? Because of the way that the liver deals with them. Why? Because of this SNP that shows you how this patient is metabolizing or not certain medication. That's what we're trying to do. Reduce the trial and error. To reduce all the trial and error and kind of come closer to the answer a little bit quicker. Because we know that, the, you know, it's not good for the patient or the doctor to have to do, you know, try things, try things, try things and kind of keep on going. So absolutely. I think we'll, I really love talking to you, but I think we're going to give you one more question and just to tie things up. How do you see the future looking for us? I mean, you're working on the kind of edge of functional, integrative, kind of beautiful nutrition. Where do you think we'll be going in the next decade? I'll tell you where I hope, where I hope we'll be going. Because the thinking sometimes becomes darkened by, by the news and, you know, so let's not talk about that. But what I hope will be going, and I think we have a chance, is to a place where everything is simpler. Because technology is amazing. But what I hope for our future is that your test is not going to be needed anymore one day. And my services either, right? Because we're going to be living a simpler life a more natural life in which we're going to be eating real foods and not things made in factories, you know, with foods as some of the ingredients. And the more we do that, the less medications, the less diagnosis, the less genetic tests we all will be needing. Now, in the meantime, until we start getting there, these things are really, really helpful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ian. It's been wonderful hearing the story and learning from you. And if everyone, I think anyone can find you easily on the web at, in the clean program under your own brand. It's all there. I had a look. It's very easy to understand and kind of follow up. The books are available. So hopefully someone will be listening to this and, and follow up and learn more about the amazing work that you're doing. So again, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us today. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast, brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash podcast. And if you are a licensed health practitioner who would like to apply to join our network of over 1,000 like-minded visionary practitioners, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash apply.